Welcome to StellarCast, the Stellar Recruitment Podcast. Let's go on an inspiring journey. By listening, learning, and taking key actions from our own recruitment experts, as well as industry leaders and inspirational individuals. By unlocking our own transformative change, we can all become the best versions of ourselves. Hey guys, we've got uh, Gary Giorgio here today, the Executive General Manager of Giorgio on the East Coast of Australia. He's got a a really exciting business. He's got a a really great culture within the organisation. They've got a fantastic pipeline of projects and they're really going from strength to strength. So I think you'll really enjoy some of the takeaways and insights that Gary shares in terms of how he's built both the company but also his own career. So thanks for taking the time to listen. Gary, thanks for joining us here today, mate. Looking forward to the podcast and finding a little bit more about, uh, I guess, your backstory and also about the exciting business you hit up. I guess I'd sort of start with how'd you come to study civil engineering and what was your vision on your career as a graduate? So, going back a long way now <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, I finished school back in 89, so you can guess how old I am. But um, when I did like, the last couple of years, one of our electives was actually engineering. So, Back then, you had no idea what that meant. You know, I know I liked doing <laughs> drawing things and whatever, and I liked building stuff, so I thought it sounded pretty good. Um, I heard it wasn't a bad career, so gave that a bit of a go. But I think one of the good things at school, doing work experience, I actually did work experience as an accountant, and I didn't like that at all because I didn't like being behind the desk and just sitting there all day doing the same old, same old stuff. Also did it as a drafty for a while, engineering drafty, and I thought that was all right, but I didn't get to go outside much, so... Gave me a bit of an idea to potentially uh, do something outside. Yep. My marks were pretty good, so, yeah, got into engineering. So, so I guess, you know, fast forward to we are here today and obviously we are talking yep. just before about, you know, where the business got to and the scale of the business and some of the success you've enjoyed. Looking back now, what are some of the proudest moments of your career and why would you sort of state that? I think some of the proudest moments, and it's hard to define like single moments, because some of them, I guess, are things that are achieved over a long period, especially when you, you've set out a strategy or a goal and it just you gradually sort of tick away. I get a big rush out of making money. Yep. So, you know, yep. back in projects, when I was delivering mm. projects, I loved, you know, the outcome at the end of a project. You know, you knew it, it was the end of it and it was, it was a timeline. Yep. But now as a GM, you've got multiple jobs and you see many things happen over different times. So you really then look at what's the the outcome of the business. And uh, what we were talking about earlier, the, the growth, I guess, of Georgia Group on the East Coast has been, you know, for me, I can look back pretty proudly of where we got to at the moment. And we've grown considerably in the five and a half years. And um, not just that, I, the people, like I've got some pretty cool people, not some, but all of them pretty cool people that I work with and been working with for a really long time. So I get a big kick out of seeing them succeed and the growth that they've had as well. Like some of these I've had since some of the guys and girls I've worked with since they were graduates. And even I was saying on the, this weekend, just gone, two of my young grads come over for, who aren't grads anymore, but they met at we're at Seymour White, where I brought put them both on. They met each other. Now they're married. Wow. Now they've got a kid, and wow. they both actually got successful careers. One still works with me, yeah. but she's on maternity leave. But um, yeah, that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, definitely seems you, you're outcome focused. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. you know, that's what business is about. But I guess you know what 
well, I've picked up through conversations with you and then also some of your staff is you've got a deep care and interest for the people you work with. Yep. And obviously sounds like there's a lot of law people that have formed part of that nucleus that has allowed you guys to achieve what you've achieved. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, you build bridges, roads, but really you're a people business, right? It's a people business. Yeah. Exactly right. That's it. That's uh, it gets thrown, That line gets thrown around a lot, you know, people are your assets, but they really are. Like without them, uh, for Giorgio Group, our East Coast business doesn't carry a lot of yellow goods or anything like that. You know, our assets really are the people. So, yep. and I've been very fortunate to have a lot of people working with me across different companies now for, you know, 20 years. So, yep. yep. That's awesome. I guess, uh, keen to pick your brains around, you know, as you built your career, going from being a strong and competent engineer to then stepping into leadership. Obviously, you know, different skills that are required to sort of operate in each area. You know, how did you sort of prepare yourself to, to make that shift? Yeah, we get asked this question a lot <laughs> with the young engineers yeah. who want to move from site engineer to GM. So yeah. you know, I'm only temporary in my, my seat apparently for, <laughs> for a short time. But yeah. look, leadership is, um, is it learned? I guess as you go along, engineers are technical people mm. and then getting into that people management side is quite hard. But as you, if you get enough exposure and take on the responsibilities of starting to have more direct reports or people that are around you, I guess you gradually get there. Yep. You know, is there a defining moment or something I did? Probably not. But something I guess I've always pushed and, I, and you know, I mentor every year we run a mentoring program and I mentor the young, some young engineers is to be proactive about your own development. Mm. So I find a lot of people go, oh, I didn't, no one gave me this course, I didn't do this and that. And I'm saying, well, did you go and chase? Did you ask for that? Or what did you do? And I think some of the benefits uh, or the reasons why I've been able to sort of move is probably I'm a bit pushy yep. and I've always sort of been proactive about going seeking other learning and doing stuff that might not be my role at the time but I've always looked for what the next one was. So yep. at Seymour White I I, um, yeah, I was still a PM, I'd come off a large project and then we're back in as a PM but then I was a bit bored so I started looking, I started scheduling what monthly with the CEO and the CFO and a pre-contracts manager which weren't my roles, but I was looking at business reports mm-hmm. and stuff. But every month I would just grab those, made my own notes, then go and ask a heap of questions wow. and stuff. So for me, leadership, I think, is being proactive about stuff, but also being authentic, I guess, in your conversation you have with people. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can pretend to be, to care and pretend that. No. So if you do care and that too, so yeah. Yep. Now, I mean, yeah. I, I, I like the fact that, uh, just sort of paraphrase on the earlier point, uh, you've just taken ownership of your own career. Yep. You haven't waited for things to come to you yep. or information to come to you, courses, support or whatever. You've sort of been professionally impatient about your career. You've always been looking yep. at that next role and then sort of gone proactive around reaching out to certain people to sort of help, you know, I guess learn that information ahead of time to yep. enable you to sort of take those steps. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So yep. that's a good answer, but uh, keen to sort of uh, understand, I guess, any of the challenging uh, moments or times in your career you faced and, and what you sort of took away from those. Again, it's harder to find <laughs> a single moment again for, yeah. for a challenging situation because every day brings new things. Yep. But one of the ongoing challenges, I think, and I, and I talk to some of my guys about this, it's the, it's the game that keeps on going, is, is keeping staff motivated and employed. So you can be a business or a person who hires and fires, but that's not us. Mm-hmm. And so we put a lot of effort in, and I certainly do, in making sure we understand, understand where staff need to go to give them enough opportunity to keep them interested, mm-hmm. but also to make sure we've got 
employment. So sometimes that sort of that challenge of constantly looking and what are we, what sort of jobs should we be going for and what does that staff what do they need for their growth and where does it fit that to me is just a constant challenge that never stops. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, you can quite easily go and hire all these new people and then you've got nothing for these people and then you're doing that constant churn, which is, for me, that affects culture and yep. everything else. So so that's probably one of the, the biggest challenges. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like there's an, an away, I know it's not always the case, a nice professional tension between obviously you wanting to support the growth and development of staff but also making sure that the business is going the same direction to support that. That's right. And that's a constant, isn't it? It because is. Because as people grow... You sort of got to try and keep moving the business forward it to is. facilitate it, that growth. A, and when you've got a growing business, yeah. it's easier. But yep. if you've got a business that's plateauing yep. or even declining because of whatever, then it's really tough. And yep. having those conversations, people then might go, okay, I don't mind sitting where I am for a while because I understand that he's having a conversation with me about that, but eventually we can go and do this, this and this. So, yep. Yep. But, yeah, look, I've probably been pretty fortunate that most of the time, if not all the time, we've been in a growing business. So yep. at Seymour's it was growing strongly and then uh, coming across to Georgia, we've grown strongly from the start. So being able to give those opportunities. Yeah, no, fantastic. That's awesome. Now, uh, I know you're a humble guy, so you you might uh, might not enjoy this, but it is what it is. So uh, I've done a bit of research and preparation for this podcast and and I've been told that communication and, and maybe that sort of combined with emotional intelligence is one of your strengths, obviously beyond the other stuff we've sort of talked about, whether it's engineering or, or sort of commercial acumen. But, um, you know, some of the feedback I've got is you're know, certainly someone who uh, encourages uh, uh, people asking questions and, you know, putting out there if they've got some struggles or challenges and you're quick to jump in the trenches with them to help them with that. You're inclusive, you're transparent, um, you're showing people the numbers and how their work impacts on the numbers. Uh, you also sound with uh, the finger on the pulse, so uh, you know you're in touch with your, your your team and your people to sort of really understand what's going on and what's going on for them, and and uh, clearly someone that um, people enjoy working with. The question is, be it internally with your staff or with your external stakeholders, how important is communication and, and emotional intelligence, and how have you sort of developed your skills uh, in that regard? That's a long question. <laughs> <laughs> so emotional intelligence, not, not real intelligence, let me say. Um, look, communication, it's pretty typical. If without communication, we'd be, you know, nothing would work. So, mm. again, it's, it's being authentic and I don't you, – you can't fake it. You can't fake that you're interested in something. Mm-hmm. So to me, I do ask a lot of questions mm. and also give out a lot of information, I think, you know, and I always look back as a when I was coming up through mm. projects and stuff. Yeah, you know, say through information, I always share all our company results and business unit results with the PMs and everyone through because they're writing stuff and doing things and communicating up. I want them to understand where mm. what happens with that and yep. why they do things a certain way. They're not just doing it because some guy in the shiny glass castle needs this information and that's it. So we try and make sure they understand that they're doing something that's beneficial and that their time is valuable, so we're not just doing stuff just to waste their time. But And also with clients, you know, we spend a lot of time asking questions, understanding what's important to them, Mm -hmm. because what's important to us is sometimes, or a lot of time, not important to the client. So you have differences there, but if you can get alignment or you get them to understand what we're trying to do, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, deliver jobs well, safely, and make, make some dollars to their outcomes, you know, 
no disruptions to the community or traffic and no surprises for politicians, mm-hmm. those sort of things. If you can get that communication going and have that understanding and be respectful around that, I think it works quite well yep. and it builds a relationship. And also I think it's not I'm just going to go and see that person once a year or something, mm. the constant communication, yeah. which, again, shouldn't be mechanical. You should catch up just now and again and have general conversation, mm-hmm. be like we do, Sean, mm-hmm. and, you know, just mm-hmm. see how things are going and, yeah. and, and you, you find out lots of different things there as well and be able to, to push information back across to them too. So, no, look, it's, it's absolutely fundamental. It's not something that comes easy to engineers. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, engineers stereoty- stereotypical. Yeah. Are introverts. I'm yeah, an introvert. Yeah, yeah. I've done however many of those bloody tests uh, <laughs> and I come up as a classical introvert and yep. you've got to work at it. Yeah, yeah. So it's so, just sort of something that you've evolved and iterated over time. And yeah, so, that's it. You've yeah. just got to work at it. And I think if you're, like I said, if you're, if you're honest and you're yep. authentic and people see that, they, you know, they'll see through bullshit pretty quickly. Yep. You know, show them what you're trying to do, then people... Are respectful back the other way too. So yeah, yep. And as a leader, there may not have been a particular instance or individual that's you know had a big impact on your career. But as you look back, has there been any sort of pivotal moments or individuals that sort of helped shape your career as it sits today? Yeah, look, obviously meet all sorts of people yeah. along my career, which has been fantastic, and and learnt lots of things from different people. Yeah, you know, one probably a standout would be Brian Regal, who was the CEO at Seymour's uh, for about 10 years. He made, you know, took me from, who promoted me from project manager straight to GM. Mm-hmm. So I managed to jump a couple of levels, which was, a, you know, a lot of trust from Brian to do that. And we still, you know, he left Seymour's about six months after I was made GM, unfortunately, because, <laughs> but we stay in contact. We ca- catch up probably at least once a month, if not more, and still do different stuff. So he still mentors me and stuff. He's actually helped me at the moment run the, our business planning next week because he's a good round strategy and stuff. So probably that's been probably one of the biggest, you know, one of the people that's helped me the most. And uh, what's he, what do you admire most about Brian? Yeah, and I've said this to people before, mm. like uh, I know even back as a PM watching Brian come into conversations or difficult meetings and stuff and he would never lose his cool. Yeah. He was always very composed, composed clear-headed and also very considered. So, mm. you know, he treated everyone as equals and respectfully yeah. and listen to what they had to say and then would come up with some suggestions and not a uh, not a table thump or anything yeah. like that. So yeah. I always uh, thought, yeah, okay, that's where I need to be as far as exposure, yeah, yeah, composure and those sort of things, but yeah. Yeah, and no doubt it seems like through that time you also developed uh, a culture people wanted to be part of as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Brian was obviously very instrumental in, in sort of shaping some of the culture at Seymour White. Yeah which I believe is the culture we have at Giorgio now, mm-hmm. um, you know, bringing a lot of the senior people across from Seymour's to where we are. Yep. It's, it's, you know, it's a similar feel and it's a, you know, we're a family company. Yep. yep. Family, Giorgio, last name, not the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, But, uh, yeah, look, family company and family. Yeah. Family type culture. No, fantastic. I mean, look, getting to know you over the last few years, and I think you sort of touched on it earlier, for me, it's it's very evident that you are very driven. You you're competitive. You take pride in what you do, and with that, obviously, you've been keen on developing your own self, but also the the staff around yourself. You've been fortunate enough to do a program over at Harvard, which is a fairly you know well regarded program over there, um, which is fantastic. You've also got those street or, or practical smarts. I guess the question is, you know, what drives you to get better? Like, why do you take the time to be proactive and all that sort of stuff and then also help others? 
I think, uh, you know, is it in your DNA, possibly, you know, to be driven? I am driven. I'm competitive. Yeah. You know, I'm competitive to the point where I compete against myself and a lot of stuff, <laughs> So, which I'm sure you do yeah, as well, yeah, Sean. Yeah. You know, you can't help yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're always timing. I want to run, yeah, run yeah. a bit faster or I want yeah. to surf a bit better or yeah. I want to do something. So I'm very competitive that way anyway yeah. and driven. But I'm also quite goal orientated as well. So sort of seeing long-term goals and then slowly getting towards those and making sure I'm ticking things off. So I think setting goals has always helped me being, like I said, proactive around my own sort of education or learning, seizing opportunities. So, you know, if you do get given an opportunity like the Harvard Business mm-hmm. School that John yeah. offered, you know, Grant, I grabbed that. I thought that was an awesome opportunity to be able to to apply and go over to that, but also putting myself out of my comfort zone as mm, well. Mm. I think, you know, Harvard was certainly out of my comfort zone, being yeah. an introvert going over somewhere like that and meeting up with 160 people from 40 different countries and, and doing that. That was pretty cool, yeah. but it was good. But it, um, putting yourself in those situations has always led to me learning new things, again, mm. about being considered. Like mm. you, you would get in these forums and you talk to people and you go, oh, yeah, look, I know the answer to that. And someone else would say something, you go, shit, I never even thought yep. about that yep. and what a good way to resolve something or come up with it. You know, the ideas that would flow from different people from completely different backgrounds or businesses and things like that really opens your mind to stuff because yep. you can get a bit closed sometimes and think, oh, I've got the answers, I've got to have the answers here. But, yep. yeah, by opening it up, it really does that. So, yep. yeah, I think that uh, that helps. Now, and I think um, that uh, philosophy about uh, being prepared to get out of comfort zone, so many people just stay in that comfort zone. They stick to what's familiar and all the rest of it. Yeah. And you're right, you know, some of the people over there, uh, you know, run huge businesses, oh, super intelligent, all yeah. the rest of it. Naturally, it's a little bit intimidating and inspiring. Yeah. But despite your success, it's good to see that you're, you're always sort of open-minded in terms of, is there a different way to look at this? That's right. Yeah, I think if you get in those forums where you do have different people there to bring different perspectives and be yeah. considered, I think, yeah, can you can – do a whole lot better, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, you might have touched on one of them before in terms of, you know, maybe a personal philosophy is, you know, you always seek to get out of your comfort zone, which we've sort of touched on already, but is there any other sort of personal philosophies you subscribe to as a leader? Well, I've already talked about being authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, again, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can fake that sort of stuff, the genuine care for Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and their their development. Again, that's, that's, for me, that's that's a big part of probably where I've got to where I am because of the people around me. You know, they've succeeded, which has helped me succeed. So, you know, without them, I probably wouldn't be. I'd be maybe still a side engineer or something. Yep. So that, and what probably I said as well about seeking uh, ideas or stuff from people as well. So for me, I try to be as considered as possible and getting different ideas, but also be decisive because you can get heaps yeah. of ideas and then you can fluff around and not make a decision. But I guess in my position, you've still got to then make a decision in a quick way. Otherwise, yep. people sit in limbo too long. So yep. being able to do that, get different opinions and make and uh, make a decision. But I guess also doing it in a way that people still res- feel respected if you haven't done something that they wanted to do or something. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to, to make because I think sometimes when you get a lot of information – you can get that paralysis by analysis yep. going, which way do I go? So it seems like you're pretty good about surveying the room and open to ideas, you know, you have any preconceived notions that yep. uh, are immovable, but once you sort of gather the data, you're like, guys, we're going in this direction. That's it, And yeah. I think as a leader, you, you've got to do that, don't you? You've got you? to do that and explain your thing. And are you going to get it right all the time? No, no. But I think sometimes even getting it wrong, yep. you know, might not be there. Yep. People see then that you don't have to get it right all the time too, but sometimes you've got to take a risk and get on with it. Yep. So. yep. Yep. 
No, so I think that's a great answer. So we'll move the conversation away from work a little bit. Obviously, yep. you dedicate a lot of time to, to building the business, building your career, and obviously that consumes a lot of your time. But I mean, when you're away from work, how do you sort of, how do you relax? And what are your sort of tips around managing, I guess, that harmony? Because it's, it's hard, right? I mean, in this age of technology and, and everything else, it's, it's hard to escape. So how do you find time to switch off or get away so you can be there for the family, but also perform at your best? And be sustainable, I guess. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, I, I have a pretty good work life balance, and I do try and show that with staff because mm-hmm. you know I guess the saying that we have is you know work smart, not hard. You know I'm inherently lazy, so I don't want to be <laughs> sitting there all night <laughs> yeah. beavering away. So if I can get away, I can. Yeah. Uh, something that Brian Regal told me a long mm-hmm. time ago. You know, get yourself out of the office now and again. I guess I'll go and have breakfast by myself and mm-hmm. just get my own thoughts and write down notes and stuff. So to get away from that sometimes mm-hmm. is is quite good. So any time that I can get away and spend a bit of time on myself and, and, and not be distracted, I find some of the ideas flow a lot mm. better and stuff like that too. So, And I think it's better for your mental health too. So yep. me running and yep. uh, doing exercises, I always feel better after that. Even yep. if I might have been stressed to have a run or whatever, and it seems to make me feel a bit better. It yep. uh, doesn't make the problems go away, but it makes <laughs> you feel better for a little while. Yep. Yeah. My obvious passion is surfing, which yep. you obviously yep. know, Sean. Yep. So... Uh, I will surf at any opportunity I can. <laughs> like, yeah, again, one of my mates at the moment, Kevin, will, yep. s- which has been good, he's dragging me out into surf that we shouldn't even be because just grovel and we're still surfing. So, yep. but just being out there, relaxing, there's no phones, yep. no interruptions. So, yep. and you can stay out there for whatever, a couple of hours and have a good surf and yep. really learn to switch off. Yep. So, that's a great, great way to relax. Yep. And you mentioned about technology. Uh, so, I was saying to Atlanta, my EA, yeah, and, yeah. the other day, because on Earth, computer you know all the emails keep yep. popping mm-hmm. up popping up and she keeps looking and i'm saying turn that off yeah turn it off there turn it off your phones yep. like all yep. those distractions yeah, are yeah. constantly coming up yeah that you can't get stuff done no, so that's right. even my young fella zay the same he'll have he want to have his phone near him when he's trying to do homework it's yeah. like no get yeah. out of the room because yeah. all these instagram and all those other things come up so yeah yeah you just gotta get away from all the distractions yeah yeah. No, I think it's a good example, some good answers you give in terms of, I think as a leader, you've got to role model some of that behaviour, yep. right? You know? Yeah. And I think the old paradigm was sort of working first in the office, last out. That was the leader, right? That's it. You know, but I don't think that's always the right way to go about it or the sustainable way, right? Yeah. You know, no. and I think uh, back in the day when we used to travel a bit on planes, just getting on a plane by yourself and having that time away from connectivity yep. just to think about things, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, exercise is key and, and obviously getting out there in the ocean away from it all, having a bit of fun and, you know, you really got nothing else to think about outside of the next wave or yarn yep. to your mate out in the water. That's it, having a bit of a yarn. It doesn't get much better. Yeah, so. yeah, no, it's good. So, I remember as a young engineer, I... My boss is still there, and I think oh, I finished everything. Yeah. I'm just going to sit yeah, here hang and around because he's trying to look busy for a while until he goes. So, <laughs> Which you know. is crazy when yeah, you think about it. it, isn't it? So yeah, normally I'm trying to hunt people out of the office. Yep. So when I'm go. going, you know, yep. leave and. Now it's good. Obviously, the model works. Obviously, we touched on before. You know, when you joined the business five and a half years ago, you know, it was pretty pretty basic in terms of what was there to where yep. it is today. Yep. You know, obviously, growing an awful lot, and a lot of people now are employed in the business. So clearly, the 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 model works. I, I guess, you know, from my point of view and speaking to other people, your business, and I say your business on the East Coast and, and all the people that work with you, it seems to be engaged, it seems to be a high-performance culture. 
there seems to be a bit element of fun. You don't take yourselves too seriously. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to run P and Ls, and you got to make sure you you deliver projects and deliver them well. But there's still, it seems like the business doesn't take itself too seriously. And you've got some great momentum. We've talked about that uh, in terms of you know where the business is sort of trending and what you've achieved. How would you sort of describe the culture for people that don't know the culture of the, of of the East Coast Georgia business? Yep. So culture, which is uh it gets bandied around a lot and, uh, the culture question. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, what I believe is our culture might be very different as mm. well. And normally when we're interviewing for new staff and I'll give them the, you know, the Giorgio spiel about yep. what I see, but yep. I always recommend, I say, go and talk to some yep. different people yep. and ask them if that's their view of culture because I say what I believe might not be the actual reality. But yep. I think generally it's not too bad. So our culture, and we talk a lot about being a family business, family culture, and people go, what's family culture? So for us, it's about we're not precious about our roles. So as you would get in, if your brother or your sister or relative had, you know, they had a heap of stuff to do, you just get in and help. Yep. So we're not precious. doesn't matter if I'm GM or whatever. I'm happy to go and help out wherever's needed and all the staff are as well. So we don't go, that's my role, that's all I do. Everyone's always seeing how things are going and stuff like that, which is great to see and probably – you know, a recent example of that would have been one of our construction managers in Sydney actually um, passed away, which was, you know, absolutely devastating. But seeing the number of staff that came to the funeral, but also the number of staff checking in with each other, like the, the amount of phone calls and things like that went around checking in and all that, to me that's family. For you sure. know, it's, it's, it's the company yeah. family yeah. really checking in. So yeah. There's, a, yeah. there's a genuine care. Yeah. So to me, that's that family culture. Yeah. And the other thing, we, we try and involve people's families where we can with you know, mm-hmm. family days mm-hmm. and you know, the Christmas parties, we always have partners there yeah, yeah, yeah. and all yeah. those sort of things. But we also, when we're making decisions, because construction's hard on mm-hmm. relationships mm-hmm. and yeah, families. For sure. So we always, we tend to get to know people's families quite well and what's mm-hmm. happening in their personal lives without mm-hmm. prying too much. Mm-hmm. But if we have to, got a job away, yep. we might talk to people about can they go away or if they can't or if they can, they have to be home every weekend for this certain time or this is coming up. So we try and it's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, you're that, that's it. We yep. try and be a little bit Accommodate. uh, accommodating both ways. Yep. And I find then people then are, can do it back for the company. So yep. we do try and, and, again, it makes things a little bit more complex, mm-hmm. but I think it's rewarding and I think that helps with uh, retaining staff as well. So that it's, again, it's... It's real. It's authentic. How we how we sort of look after our staff. So, yeah, I guess that's sort of our culture, and also then the fun side. So you know, yeah. so we <laughs> yeah we work hard, but we yeah. play hard. Yeah. So we uh, we'd like a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, you got to watch that line sometimes yeah. about uh, not being respectful. But yeah, there's a lot of fun. We do a lot of social stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, all the different physical type mm-hmm. social activities, mm-hmm. the bridge to Brisbane, and the yep. corporate games, and the the city to surf in Sydney, mm-hmm. and yeah, everyone's we're having cake cross three times a week, I think, at the moment for people's birthdays or they're recognising their anniversaries. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always constant stuff happening, which is pretty cool. Yep. And I guess, I don't know if it's because, you know, from Greek heritage or yep. whatever, I don't yep. know, but we're always out for dinners. Yeah. <laughs> there's always food and with lunches and all these sort of things. It, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. There's some really good people to work with there. So. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of brand equity within the business of the people that are working within the business to the brand yeah. and, and obviously, you know, some of the things you talk about there, but I don't think you can fake that deep sense of care 
Yep. And you and you can't fake or replicate what took place after that funeral. If people care or they don't, yeah. if they care, you check in and you make an effort like you would a, a yep. family member, right? Going through a tough time. And to your point around not being too concerned about titles and just being prepared to muck in if required. Uh, speaking to someone uh, before, you know, this podcast, and I won't say who, but he said, you know, I think when you join the business, he had a fairly technical challenge he had at a senior level within the business, but he felt safe enough to go, guys, don't know how to execute this interchange project or, or whatever it was. And quickly, you were there. Quickly, the estimator were there. Well, let, let's nut this out. Let's yep. get a plan. Yep. It wasn't sort of look down your nose and going, come on, mate, you know, no. you should be able to perform on this. It was yep. straight in there and side by side working out what the issue yep. was and then together working on the solution, then boom. So. Yep. You know, not everyone sort of takes that approach. No, that's yeah. right. And we've got a fairly flat structure and we all work across different yeah. stuff to help each other around that. Yeah. Yeah, like I work with some of the blue collar, like our, our wages guys are quite happy to talk to me, which is good because I'm out there. I, you know, I actually enjoy being out in the projects talking to those guys. Yeah. You know, when people were ringing around about when our construction manager, when Adam passed away, you know, we had supervisors ringing the CEO as well as checking in on yeah. him, yeah. How, how Rob was going and stuff too. So it's yeah. nice to see... Right yeah. across, and John come over from uh, from WA yep. to be there, and mm-hmm. he was talking with all different people. So it's a very open, like very yep. open that way, which is quite nice. Yep. Yep. Now, well, kudos to you guys. It sounds like it's a great culture to be part of. So, I guess if we sort of end the near the podcast, uh, keen to understand what is the the vision uh, of the future. Look like you strike me as someone that's got a bit of a, a plan, and it sounds like you're about to walk into another uh, strategy session yeah. uh, soon. It's not to – so for Georgia, like I said, we've grown – the East Coast has grown very strongly in the last five years. Do we – you know, we're very fortunate to be in an industry that we are in such uncertain times. You know, it's uh, you, know, you can see a lot of industries really struggling and people struggling and we've – and our industry is have got more opportunities than we can, than we can tender really mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're very lucky to be in that. But as a private company, we don't need to grow just for the sake of growth. You know, we're a, we're a for-profit company, so it's about yep. maintaining a, a profit. Yep. So for us, it's 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 keep doing what we've been doing. You know, been, it's, we've been doing really well and we've had some really good growth, picking the right projects that suit the business and our staff. So, you know, running through a fairly robust go-no-go no go type stuff to make sure that we're, mm-hmm. you know, in line with our strategy. And our strategy really defines the stuff that we shouldn't be doing rather mm-hmm. than the stuff that we should to sort of, you know, keep the, the, keep the blinkers on there. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably continue to grow with with the current mm, way the current mm, market is, yeah. and yeah, that growth will provide more opportunities for our staff as well to continue to grow. So that to me, that's the important thing is keep growing while the yep. the market's good, but also then be able to get our staff to to keep growing and uh, and and letting that move up to to do some new and exciting things. So which has been great. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. Well, it seems like it's working. I think uh, what I like about that answer is a strategy that defines you know probably as much or more about what you don't do. Because yep. I think when there's so much opportunity, sometimes as an opportunist, you can chase a bunch of different things, yep. but it doesn't always correlate to bottom line results yep. on that sort of side of things. So I think that's uh, really, really good. But yeah, clearly, you know, there's a thirst uh, or, or desire to keep growing, but not for the sake of it, you know, to make sure you're still turning a profit at the end of the day. That's it. Yep. Uh, and I think that's probably some of the benefits you get with working for a privately owned successful tier two company yep. with a strong balance sheet. You don't have to do something for the sake of it, do you? No, There's no expectation to do no, it. No, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was Seymour that said John Seymour that said it. He said Seymour's were built off the comp- off the projects they said no to, yeah, or the ones they didn't win, yep. rather than all the ones they did. So, yeah, yep. you know, our industry, yeah, does see some pretty horrific uh, failures on yeah, yeah. project delivery sometimes. So, 
being able to yeah say no to some stuff, I think, is absolutely critical because there's a lot of opportunities oh, out yeah. there, but just you can't do everything and it doesn't suit your staff and some people just get hungry for stuff they shouldn't be. So Well, I, I think as a competitor, it takes discipline, right? Yeah. Because as a competitor, right, you want to win everything. That's Every right. project you want to win, you know, win. but That's it. there's repercussions, isn't there? Yeah, and you can't go for everything. You spread no. yourself too thin then. So yep. focus in the stuff that you think you're going to do best, and that's what we do. Yep. And our strike rate's pretty good. We're sort of down to one in two, one in three strike rate for projects, so it's good. Yep. No, fantastic. Yep. So I guess the last question, mate, is, uh, you know, for any young engineers or project managers that, you know, have genuine aspirations to maybe follow on. For similar footsteps to yourself. Come and take my chair. Yeah, yeah. that's it. You know, it's a temporary role. <laughs> it's I understand. Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Spend more time down the beach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what what sort of tips or advice would you sort of summarise at the back end of this podcast? Yeah, look, I think, um, like I said before, be proactive about your own development. You know, you are responsible for yourself, so do that and get yourself, an, you know, as much exposure to different opportunities as you can. Like I'm always saying to the young engineers I'm into now that, while you're doing QA and you might not like that, you know, go and ask to get, you know, access to some variations or to look after one of the subcontractors or do a bit more that's outside of your role. So by the time you want to be promoted, they go, well, actually, he's already doing that anyway, just move straight into that role. So look for, to do stuff, just make sure you do your stuff you're meant to do first, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But look to do a few other things as well. I yep. think that's that's important. I think also be considered, uh, you know, take a considered view on things. Mm-hmm. So. Don't be afraid to ask questions, get different views. Don't think you always have the right answer, you know. And I think uh, you can learn a lot from from others, and particularly people who might be very different from you. It's uh, There's some, you know, great learnings I've got from so many different people that mm. you just think, I don't know how, mm. you know, completely different from where I am at. So yep. uh, I think that's always probably the other big one, yeah. Yep. Just to summarise some of that stuff, I think uh, in my experience, maybe it's the same for you, the people that actually go above and beyond and seek out uh, to learn stuff over and above what their core job is, very few. So if you do that as a candidate, you can stand out quite quickly if you're prepared to do that. Yep. I think on that sort of side of it. So I think that's uh, that's good. But um, no, I think, um, you know, we haven't gone too much into the numbers, but I think fair to say when you join the business to where it is today, dramatically different position. Yeah. I think mean, you've you've developed a, a really loyal band of people around you and it's a genuine team or family as you put it. I think the success speaks for itself and, you know, certainly from my perspective, I think if I was a candidate, a technical candidate, or looking for a place to call home, I think you got the opportunity to grow, develop, have influence, have conversations with whether it's the CEO, yourself and all that sort of stuff, which is kind of unique. You got a strong balance sheet, so if you fall on some challenging times or projects, that's not going to be the end of the world. It's not great, but it's not the end of the world. Um, But you've got that opportunity to sort of carve out a career without too many restrictions if you're prepared to have a crack and work hard, you know, and work alongside some pretty talented, capable people that are prepared to help you. So I think in a competitive market, that's pretty attractive. Yeah, it's a pretty solid business. Like I said, if anything, we've got lazy balance sheets. We we have a lot sitting there, but that's on purpose as well because it gives us headroom for growth, which is great. But the good thing is we're seeing we're doing more and more complex jobs at the moment, larger jobs and small jobs, which suits the young engineers' growth and development too because not always a massive job is where you want to be because I find you get pigeonholed a bit there. So we've got a range of stuff and people go in different stuff, but we also uh, specifically target to put engineers out of their comfort zone. So a conversation I was at at Bolivia Hill job last week as a guy who's done mostly civil I said, your next job, you're actually doing the bridges. Mm-hmm. He said, and he sort of went, oh, shit, I don't know if I haven't really done it. I said, well, that's why you're doing it. Yeah, so to yeah. get a better PM, yep. 
you need to have had all that other exposure, mm. not just bridges or not just civil, but I want to get you across. So we actually, I guess we're still small enough that we can know most the individuals and where mm, mm. their strengths and weaknesses are mm, mm. and we can then provide those opportunities to try and make them a be- better all-rounded type leader, I guess, at the end of the day as well. Yep. Yeah. Now, it's, uh, that was one of the other comments that come through the preparation for this. They said that you always seem to be a step ahead. You always seem to have a vision for the future, and obviously that's a good example of that with the young engineer. Well, Garn, well, if you're going to advance to PM, yep. you need that balanced sort of project yep. exposure to yep. make you a better PM, yep. you know, when you finally get to that point. Yeah, so. that's it. Yep, right through in our leading hands as well. A lot of those have developed through labourers, leading hands into supervisors, and, yeah, it's been... It's good. Yeah. Well, mate, uh, thanks for joining us today. It's been uh, exciting to sort of uh, hear what you've achieved and it sounds like you've got a great future here you, and, and I've certainly admired uh, you in terms of your role you've played in developing the business. I think you've got a great business and I think there's exciting times in front of the business. So appreciate you taking the time to share some of that stuff today. Thank you, Sean. That was good. Hopefully I'll see you out in the wave soon. Sounds good. Promise I won't drop in on you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll hold you you to that. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Good on you, mate. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for listening to StellarCast. This show aligns with why Robbie McIlwraith and Sean McCambridge co-founded the company. Their mission was to help and nurture others to reach and exceed their potential. For trusted recruitment and career advice, contact Stella today.